listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Along with Nicolette and Joel and Kyrie, we're here until midnight. Then it's Freddie Fitzsimmons on 98.7 ESPN. Well, I tell you, the, the baseball season gets more and more interesting every day. Obviously, there is conversations of whenever the baseball season comes back about the possibility of having games in neutral sites. For example, if indeed, whenever it comes back, if it does come back, and New York City is still in the situation it's in, where it's, it's a little later in the curve, and there's not been the uh, curtailment lifted for having large groups in areas, okay, social gathering, there's a possibility of having it in neutral sites. So that's interesting. But the other thing that was so interesting today is an article that Buster only has on ESPN.com. And it concerns two teams who have really dodged the spotlight because of the fact that we've had no baseball. And they are the Houston Astros and the Boston Red Sox. So Buster only has an article where sources indicate to him that former Houston Astros manager A.J. Hinch and ex-Astros GM Jeff Ludnow will fulfill their one-season suspension for the team's sign-stealing scandal, even if no baseball is played in 2020. Now, it doesn't mean that definitely there'll be no baseball played in 2020, but if there is no baseball played in 2020, they get off the hook for the season. Now, remember, they were given one-year bans and subsequently fired in January by Houston, but Major League Baseball gave them the one-year suspension because the investigation by MLB confirmed that the Astros had cheated by using a camera-based sign-stealing system during the regular season and playoffs of their World Series winning 2017 season and part of the 2018 regular season. You know, trash cans, the usual stuff, right? So that means that they will get off scot-free. And you would think that maybe because of the unique situation that perhaps Major League Baseball could go back and say, well, yeah, we know what we said, but um, we need to look at this again. Okay, we understood why because of upcoming negotiations for a new contract. We understood why they did not implicate any players. Okay, we understood that. And it looks as though that at least there would be some penalty. It wasn't much. Obviously, we knew that their title was not going to be taken away because nobody was going to do that. But now for this scenario to be in effect, that because of the wording of the penalty by the commissioner of baseball, Nobody, there's going to be no penalties at all. That's not fair. That's number one. Number two, what also isn't fair is what happens now to the Boston Red Sox. We're not going to know what's going on with Boston because sources coming out of Major League Baseball say that until baseball returns, there's going to be no announcement about what's going on with the Red Sox. So once again, hypothetically, if there's no baseball in 2020, that means that Boston's going to be penalized 
next season when they should have been penalized this season and Houston gets off scot-free. Something's wrong here, ladies and gentlemen. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Now, I also understand that those folks who were penalized this season by player suspensions and uh, situations like that, that also is the case for them as well. So does that mean that their penalties will be picked up when Major League Baseball returns or not? So we know that the Astros lost their first and second round draft picks in 2020 and 2021 and were fined $5 million. So that's it. That apparently is going to be it. That, that, that's not cutting it for me. Buster only the article, the author of this article was on the Michael K show earlier today. And he was asked under this scenario, what happens to Hinch and the GM? Because of how the discipline was laid out in the decision back in January, I don't know how much wriggle room he has. Basically, if you go back and look at the decision uh, as it was written, it ties the end of their suspensions to the conclusion of the 2020 World Series. That's, that's written down. And you guys know that, I mean, Rob, first and foremost, before he became baseball commissioner, was a lawyer. And so I think their perspective is that uh, once that was written and, uh, you know, the fact, uh, I think also, I mean, common sense tells you that, uh, you know, those guys, while they may not wind up missing any games per se, if there's no baseball season, you know, they both lost their jobs. They both have lost money, compensation. And I, I think that's part of the reason why the baseball will stick with what's in the written discipline as, as it was rendered in January. So once again, Hinch and Ludnow, done, understood, and give Houston credit for firing them immediately. All right. Even though they knew what was going on. I mean, come on. The front office knew what was going on. The owner knew what was going on. But nevertheless, so five million and that's it. And we took call after call after call after call about how unfair this was. That the only thing that was going to be bothersome from them, the only penalty they were going to have is the five million dollars in the first in the in the draft choices this year and next year. All right, and now you're if once again, if there is no baseball, it, it's like a free season. They get to start in twenty twenty one like nothing happened. It just doesn't seem right to me. It really doesn't. It really doesn't. And once again, we, what has taken so long that, that we still can't figure out what's happening with the Boston Red Sox and their situation in 2018 where there's allegations that they used sign stealing to win their World Series title. And our eyebrows are still raised at Houston and Jose Altuve and what happened in this series against the Yankees where clearly it looked as though he knew what pitch was coming from the Cuban Missile. He knew. And the fact that he didn't want anybody to touch his jersey. The biggest problem in this scenario, and listen, I'm not saying it's easy for the commissioner. This is not an easy situation. And then you add to the fact that you're debating now how you're going to get your baseball season started if you can. And if it's obviously it's going to be delayed and how are you going to get playoffs and how are you going to 
fix that structure so that there is a, quote, official, unquote, season that people can say it's legitimate. That there's no check mark or there's no asterisk to say, well, how is this? How are they the winners in the division? And how are we going to figure out the playoffs and champion for the Major League Baseball season right now? So nobody's saying that this has been an easy go for it for the commissioner. And as Buster only mentioned, he is an attorney. So clearly there was a reason why it was worded to not have games, but to have seasons. The speculation is endless. Could it be because he didn't want to be sued by the Major League Baseball Players Association? What? Why would he limit it that way? Why would he just not say? And obviously nobody knew that we were going to have a COVID-19 pandemic. But for the efficiency and the sanctity of the game, that's all we hear about from folks who love baseball. The records have to be the, we have the records are, are, are official and, you know, that's what makes Major League Baseball so different from the other sports. Then why wasn't this penalty specific? Why wasn't it listed as games? There has to be a reason. And I'm very curious if we'll ever find out why. But the bottom line here is, it looks as though the Astros are going to skate away. And they're not even going to be penalized and booed and all the stuff that they were having in, you know, the early spring training games. Once again, if there's no baseball in 2020. You are listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Schools will survive and communities will thrive. But for student athletes who have lost their senior seasons due to the pandemic, they may never get a chance to play on that grand stage again. So we here at 98.7 ESP would like to salute our local hometown heroes for accomplishing great achievements in scholastics and athletics. So email us at 987ESPN at gmail.com. Tell us their story. Use hometown heroes in the subject line, and we'll do our best to share those stories with you and our audience. Charlie's in Woodside. Hey, Charlie, you're batting leadoff on 987 ESPN. Hello, Larry. How you doing? I'm all right, Charlie. What's going on? So, Larry, this news came out. When I heard about this news while I was picking up my coffee, I'll blow gas gas out of my face. Words that I can use on the air. Thank you. Because I'm absolutely ticked off. Ticked off that the Major League Baseball possibility allowing the Houston's cheating, tainted Houston Astros off the hook. That's absurd. And uh, the Buster only said uh, the, 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 the written agreement, they say it's going to affect, it's not It's going to be over after the 2020 World Series. Well, let's say the, let's say the season is not going to be played. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? So what they have to do, Major League Baseball have to do is they have to go back and go back on an agreement. Hey, changing my mind, they got to whatever happens, they got to carry over the suspension or for the for the for the two clowns, uh, Luna and Hinch, because this is unacceptable. And another thing is with the Yankees uh, situation with Domingo Herman. And, and, and that thing has to be carried over because that, I mean, that, that case, the number of suspension is already uh, indicated. Mm-hmm. What, 69 game, nine games remaining for suspension? Yeah. 
So if the season didn't play, and some, I heard on the case show, they say that suspension is going to be uh, erased and nothing happened. That's unacceptable. That mm-hmm. is unacceptable, Larry. They, I mean, for the whole situation, this thing is it's just absolutely ridiculous. It's crazy, Charlie, and here's, here's the bad side to it, and thanks for the phone call. And I, once again, I'm really – I feel for the commissioner in this scenario because he's in, he's in a tough situation. All right, he's not going to be able to go back and change this because otherwise the Astros are going to say, hey, what are you doing? What, what, what's the bottom line here? He can, he can now not go back in and say, okay, wait a minute, you know what? We didn't have a season, so – you know, uh, nobody knew we weren't going to have a season, so we have to move it to next year. I don't think he can do that. I don't. And Marley made a great point. We already know that the players have agreed that this season, if they, if they don't, they won't get paid, but in exchange for that, okay, in exchange for no salary, they, they traded in for time served. So they don't get paid, but, Folks who are free agents will be free agents at the end of the season. So there's a scenario where Mookie Betts may not play for the Los Angeles Dodgers and be gone. And they traded for him. They moved players to get him. All right? To figure, well, once we get him, we'll sign him to a long-term deal and we'll be okay. (laughs) You know, with time served, he may not be a Dodger ever. And then what happens? Because they've already invested players in trying to get him. It's a scary situation. It is. It is. But really, Charlie, I understand your frustration, especially as a Yankee fan, as I know you are. But there's no way, no way that Major League Baseball is going to be able to rescind that ruling. That's one of the reasons why they are holding the Boston Red Sox ruling. It's clear to me that's one of the reasons why. Because they're waiting to see what happens with baseball this year. And then once, and they said, once baseball begins, we'll release what it is. Well, this way they have a chance to adjust it by not releasing it. We may never know what the original ruling was going to be for the Red Sox. We, we may never know. And it's tough for, for, uh, Alex Cora as the manager because let's say he is suspended. Let's say there's a two year ban, whatever. He doesn't know what his, he's hanging in limbo. He doesn't know what he's going to, he doesn't know what his baseball future looks like. And some of you will say, well, that's good. That's what you get for cheating. But nevertheless, that's the scenario they're in right now. You're listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Now here is the top news stories of the day with Larry Hardesty. So we begin in Florida. So as if Derek Jeter needed a bit more money, (laughs) according to the Tampa Bay Times and confirmed by ESPN, he's rented out his Florida mansion to Tom Brady. Yeah, he'll be leasing Jeter's 30,000-foot waterfront mansion on Davis Island, right outside downtown Tampa, which is a short drive to the Bucks team facility. The news was first reported in the Tampa Bay Times. The stone home features, get this, seven bedrooms, nine bathrooms, and an eight-foot security gate and entertainment and billiard rooms. Nobody has seen the inside of this house when Jeter was there, 
And nobody will see the inside of the house now that Tom Brady is there. I guarantee you that. Seven bedrooms and nine bathrooms. Wow. That takes a team to keep that house clean. Can't imagine what the greenery is like surrounding the landscaping, right? How would you like to be cutting that grass? (laughs) Wow. Let's turn to football. The Bills GM says the Patriots are still the team to beat in the AFC East. Buffalo has become a trendy offseason pick to win the division because of Brady's departure from New England. But Brandon Bean, the Bills GM, says the Patriots are still the team to beat in the East. Quoting him, New England is still going to be very good. Look at what Bill Belichick did in 2008. They got robbed of a playoff. He said they were 11-5 and with Matt Castle at the helm. I don't think Jordan Stidham and Matt Castle, you can say that in the same sentence. Hmm. More Patriots news. Thank you. As their team plane transports 1.2 million masks from China to the U.S. This is according to the Wall Street Journal. The team plane being used to transport those N95 masks from China to the United States. Uh, the Kraft family paid $2 million, about half the cost to acquire the mask, according to the journal. The initial order was for 1.7 million masks, when only 1.2 million could fit on the plane. The remainder is set to be delivered in another shipment, according to the journal. In other football news, did you see that Lamar Jackson is working out with Antonio Brown? Well, it made Jeremy Fowler weigh in on what team maybe Antonio Brown could play for. I wondered out loud at one point if Pittsburgh would welcome him back because I know he's still tight with some teammates over there who have told me privately that they would play with him again. But the Ben Roethlisberger dynamic, I don't see that happening. Tom Brady, from what we had gathered, they had drew enough of a connection in their short time together that Brady was open to playing with him again, but Bruce Arians has shut the door on that. And so there's really not anybody left. Obviously, he's not going back to Derek Carr, who he played with shortly. So uh, it would have to be a new venture. And look, Seattle is a place I would look at eventually, assuming he is cleared or suspended because he has a relationship with Russell Wilson. They have thrown together in past off seasons. Seattle is known to take chances on players because, again, you have a strong figure in Pete Carroll. You have a strong quarterback in Russell Wilson. That's the formula. That would be interesting to see what Antonio Brown could do and how he will use this opportunity because I guarantee you, if he gets another opportunity, he better make good. He better make good on it because I don't know if he'll get another chance in the National Football League. Well, it looks like the NFL draft is going to continue and everybody's wondering about Tua Tagaluloa. Yeah, his representatives told ESPN's Laura Rutledge and the NFL Network that he underwent voluntary medical recheck Thursday and the results were overwhelmingly positive. The QB's representative told Laura the recheck was performed by an independent doctor that was selected by NFL team physicians. So this morning on Get Up, Dominic Foxworth was asked, is Tua still going to go high in the draft? It's a different NFL from back in 2008 and earlier when you had like 70 million committed to a quarterback. The risk on, on drafting a quarterback in the first round is not nearly as high as it once was. So I think that's the reason why the CBA was changed so that you could be able to take a quarterback and him, his injuries or whatever, his play not pan out and your entire franchise won't be kind of collapsed. So I, I like the idea of taking him and moving up if you're a team that needs him, especially the Dolphins or maybe the Chargers. If you're a team that needs him, moving up to three or four to make sure you get yeah so you know and that's interesting because a lot of people were concerned about whether indeed he was going to be hurt not throwing the the you know injury prone tag around but this young man can throw the football did not have the best season although for alabama last year
Well, Derrick Henry, happy to still be in Tennessee because he signed his 10.2 million franchise tender today, but the sides are still committed to working on the long-term deal before the July 15th deadline for franchise players to sign extensions. He said on Good Morning Football, I want to stay in Tennessee. Yep, um, I definitely want to stay in Tennessee. You know, the, mo- the momentum that we that we've had, you know, uh, the chemistry I have with my teammates, um, and um, the run that we went on. You know, I think that speaks volumes. And um, you know, I definitely like to like to stay there, get with my agent, try to work things out. You know, with with that organization, with it, with everybody there. So, a lot of conversation in the National Football League, obviously, with the situ- with the scenario about the draft and it going on time. What about the regular season with the uh, the uh, COVID nineteen pandemic? Do you think the regular season's going to start on time? Well, My- Myron Roll weighs in. I think that's rather ambitious. Uh, you know, as seeing the numbers, seeing the stats, actually walking in the emergency department and seeing patients being intubated, brought families having end of life discussions and goals of care discussions, having patients on our neurosurgical service uh, who are either being tested for COVID nineteen or been positive. I think it's rather ambitious to think that we can you know, begin our, our normal life once again. It's a communal setting to be an athlete for sure. Sharing a locker room, you know, sharing buses, hotels, you know, meeting rooms. And so that might just be a nidus for infection that, that won't be uh, helpful and beneficial in this fight. So I think right now we just need to sort of take a step back, pause, put the health of our country and the health of our younger people and our older people as well uh, at the focus and as a premium. And uh, we can get through it. I'm optimistic that we can. Former NFL player, Dr. Myron Rowe, how serious is this pandemic? Well, one thing I think they need to know is that it's very serious. Don't take this lightly. I, I heard rumors and whispers that people think that this is analogous to the flu or just something that we see all the time. Uh, it's infectious and it hits a certain subset of the population. That's true. But what it also shows is that we all, all need to play our part, be active members and active team members in our fight towards this. So social distancing, physical distancing, lifestyle behavior modifications, getting comfortable with being a little bit uncomfortable for the short period of time. Give our intellectual giants, these epidemiologists, nurses who are on the front line doing wonderful work, give them the time to figure out this issue and so that we can all get back to our normal life and do what we love to do. Yeah. Boy, will that be fun, right? We'll be looking forward to that day. You are listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Trey is in Brooklyn, Texas. He's next on 98.7. What's up, Larry? Hey, Trey, what's going on? Same old same, man. How y'all doing today? We're doing great, my friend. We're doing awesome. great. What's happening with you? Um, first off, um, that, that old guy that you would, that you were talking to a couple of calls. What was his name? Spike. Is that his name? Uh-huh. Your uncle. I love, man, I love that guy, man. I love that guy. Mm-hmm. And I also got love for my man Buddha too. Mm-hmm. I can't wait until this is over because I don't like to hear Buddha's voice. Like I've been hearing it the last month and a half. Mm-hmm. Buddha is like, you know, he's very inspirational, man. He got a lot of, he's a, that's what we call an OG right there. Yep, you know, and everybody, everybody, everybody down lately, you know. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, we you know soon, soon we can get that Buddha back. That you know, and we talking baseball, and we talking, you know, what I mean, just and we just talking like family do. Yes, I can't yes. wait to do that again. Yes, oh yeah. But I, I heard my uncle Spike bring up uh, Mike Scott. Let me, let me bring back a memory uh, for you real quick, Larry. Uh, I want to know your nervous level. Uh, Game six, 
1986 with Mike Scott looming in seven. What were your thoughts in game six? That was game seven. Yeah, no, no, no. What were you, what I'm saying? That was what my were your thoughts. thoughts. It was game seven. <laughs> we got to win this one. This is game seven. This wasn't game six. This is right, game seven. Right. Because if right. they lose this one, they're not beating Mike Scott. There was no way to beat them. I don't know Man. what he was throwing. I don't know what he was scuffing. I don't yeah, know we, oh, we, we know what he was throwing. We know, know what he was throwing. I don't know what he had on the baseball. I don't know. I don't, back then, I'm talking about my thought process back then now. I know now what he was yeah. doing. My thought process oh, yeah. back then. I don't know what he was doing and what he was doing to the baseball. He was scuffing it, spitting on it, whatever he was doing. But we couldn't I, I figure guess- it out. <laughs> I guess that's what I guess that's what they call a learned behavior. I guess that I guess that old cheating is just handed down from generation to generation down there in Houston, huh? <laughs> and it was a shame because so. and it was a shame because listen, Nolan Ryan wasn't no joke. He no, didn't have sir. to cheat. He Not he reared back that fastball former Met. Former yeah, for, for ten former for ten Met. minutes. <laughs> former Met. Uh, pitched in the sixty nine World Series. Yes, he did. Uh, was yes, he did. Dominant. Well. Dominant. The only problem with him was he was wild. He, you know, yeah, he, then, he could then. strike out, but he, he on the roller coaster. He might walk three, and he'd strike out three, but he might walk three. You, <laughs> you, you know, I had a, I had a baseball coach one time. He said, and we were, we were in the locker room one day. We were watching Bull Durham, mm-hmm. and he was a Met fan, mm-hmm. and he said that was Nolan Ryan. I yeah. said, what? Yeah. He said, I'm telling you. Nolan Ryan was all over the place. Yep. And like you said, he would strike out 18, but he might hit the bull. Yeah. He, he, he might, he might walk 19. You see That's what right. I'm saying? That's right. So he, but, but then, but look what that formed into. Yeah. And, and think, you know, of, that era, yeah. think of that era, uh, Trey, where you, you could go up and in and it was understood. Oh yeah, of course. Right. Yeah, so, he did. yeah, absolutely. So you're not trying to dig in with Nolan Ryan and you weren't sure where the baseball was going. <laughs> Not on purpose. <laughs> I wanna I wanna say something else today. Today is an anniversary too, Larry. Today is mm-hmm. the day that my team, my squad, and me and I guess I share with Jimmy Kimmel too. Mm-hmm. My my Vegas Rebels, man, we romped on Duke, you know, thir- uh, thirty years ago, Larry. I was just yeah. a baby though. No, I wasn't yeah. no baby. I was I was I was I was yeah, I was a little older. But mm-hmm. nah, man, that was a great game. I'm gonna watch it tonight again. I watch it every year when it when, when every year the anniversary. I always watch it. You know mm-hmm. that I've never. I don't think I've ever seen a basketball team decimate another team like that. I just yeah. the the look in their eyes after the first seven minutes, they knew that yep. they were not going to win that game. Mike Shashevsky yeah. said it in an interview. He said that we could have played them thirty out of thirty. They would have beat us all thirty times. He said they were that much better. Yeah. They were that a was a team. rare. That was and and in college, that was for you to have that type team in college at that time was rare. In the yeah. sense of you had everybody who fit a specific job. Okay, yes, everybody they, yes. could fit a specific job, and they knew their role, and they did it fabulously. And for you to right. beat that Duke team, okay that that wasn't that wasn't like a that wasn't a. Uh, a, a low class Duke team. That was a pretty no, good that, Duke team. Yeah. That was, that was a, a very that, good Duke team. That was a really good Duke team, and mm-hmm. they were dominated. And you very listen as a North Carolina fan, I enjoyed it. But you very I know rarely, you did. <laughs> you very rarely see Duke dominated the way they were dominated by the Running Rebels that that game. 
And, and 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 just to put the cherry on it, man, mm-hmm. my man Moses Scurry from Brooklyn was on that team, man. So that's my that's my one of my guys right there, man. Mm-hmm. You, you know, and, and they ushered in that yelling on the rebound and and going in aggressive. They ushered that in. I'm telling you, nobody was doing it in the NBA. Nobody they ushered in the huddle at the free throw line. Mm-hmm. I don't think to me that like I said, I'm, I'm biased because I man, I was dripped in red the next day. At school, I was a freshman in high school, and couldn't nobody tell me nothing because everybody was rooting for Duke. Everybody was like, "Nah, they can't, they can't do it. They can't beat them." And I'm telling you, Larry, ain't nobody got beaten the tournament like that since. No, Mm-mm. nobody no. got no. They got took over the over the shed, man. Total domination. You, you, you absolutely from from beginning to end. And mm-hmm. I just remember the, the the image I remember for the rest of my life is God rest his soul, Jerry Tarkanian, about six minutes left in the second half. He sits back, crosses his legs, mm-hmm. like like they out there playing bocce ball or something. Mm-hmm. Carl put his hands behind his head and said, "Just go." That's it. It's over. You knew. It's over. You knew that was over. I'm gonna tell you when I knew it was over. When he put the towel down. Yeah, that was it. That was it. That <laughs> no was towel it. in his Dr. mouth. Boy. Nothing like that. When he put the towel down, that game was over. That's it. And I, Dr. Boyd also said from USC, I, I know you know, I know you're familiar with Dr. Boyd. Oh, yeah, Dr. Boyd, Dr. Dr. Boyd said you have been summarily dismissed when something <laughs> like that happens to you. That's right. You have been dismissed. Get your bag, go home. You don't say anything. Mm-hmm. Tip That's your hat right. to the other team and live to fight another day. That was the most dominant performance in college basketball. And I still argue with my father to this day. And I think that we could have got UCLA. And I, I think we could have. I think that, like you said, uh, I think a week ago we spoke about it. I think the speed would have would have caught up with them. That they were very good technical in the half court. But mm-hmm. I think the speed that the Rebels had and that amoeba defense. I, I know Kareem would have got his. I'm not yeah. doubting that, you know. Yeah. But I think we would have been able to shut down the uh, the secondary players that they had on that team. And I think they would have won. Yeah, it it, it would have been interesting though. It would have been interesting because I would have wanted to see how what what the game plan John Wooden would have had. Oh God, to see him and Tark go at it like yeah, that. Yeah, that would have you know, been interesting. Just a chess game, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because because that's you know in co- more so obviously more so than the NBA, but in college, your coach wins or loses you games. Absolutely, one hundred percent. He wins right. or loses you games. So knowing Wooden and knowing the type of you know knowing what he would have his arsenal of tricks. What would he have done? What type of defense would he have put out that would have caused, uh, you know, the running Rebels to slow down and have a half-court game? Do you think turning them into jump shooters? Is that, is that what you think would have had That's to probably happen? what he would have tried to do. Because Turn them into he, jump shooters. Remember, he wants to slow the game down, too, because he wants to give the ball to his his big fella. He wants to get he in the half-court half so he can give it to the captain. Exactly. He don't, want to get in the, he don't want to get in the up-tempo game because he wants to no. use his guy. That's right. You know, so he's going to he's going to slow it down. How do you think that? How do you think that Tarkanian would have had to try to play defense against against the Kareem? What do you think he would have? Because they didn't. You you know, going up to that uh, in that um, in that run in ninety, they, the only t- competition they had was Ball State. That was the only yeah. close game was Ball sure. State. Yeah, uh, everybody yeah. else they blew out. Yeah. So what what kind of defense do you think that they could have employed to 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 get at Kareem and to make him uncomfortable? Because this is Lou Alcindor, not Kareem. This is right. Lou Alcindor, man, and he was dominant. You know that from Power Memorial. Yeah, he was dominant. And, and listen, he would have been more dominant because then he would have been allowed to dunk. <laughs> he couldn't man. dunk. Oh, he, man. he couldn't dunk at UCLA. He would have been allowed That's to right. dunk. 
I think we would have had to just we would have had to put that elbow in his back, make him extremely uncomfortable when he's getting that hook off, and yeah. you're going to have to be physical with that man. You know, well, and the that, thing I, you would have had to do is what 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 people did with him as a pro, Trey, and you would have had to try to, like you said, be as physical as possible. You might would have had to try to put this is crazy, right? You might would have had to try to put Larry Johnson on him to push him oh, away from where he right. needed to go, get him off the spot. To get him off his spot where he's like an, an inch or, you know, a, 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 an inch or two away from where he's comfortable with that hook shot. Right. And then almost right. like, almost like a boxing one where you got to push mm-hmm, him away. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully he's going to miss that. And then you can get the rebound and go. That's, that, right. that's what you're trying to do. And of course, obviously what Wooden wants to do, he wants to bring it down slowly. He wants to get into his guy. And the question would have been, would the the UCLA jump shooters been able to hit some shots? Because while I'm boxing in one Alcindor, who's Michael Ward? Michael Ward's going to have to hit some shots. I got, I got it. I need a guy to get to shoot out of that zone. That's right. That's right. And that's what I need if you're so, UCLA. So basically, what you're saying is the same thing that's going to work is going to have to work work back on the other end of the floor. Yep. Yep. Gotcha. You've got you've gotcha. got to control pace in that for for UCLA to win that game. That game's got to be in the seventies. Because if UCLA's right. running up and down, right. they, they, they're not winning that game. There's no way they. Hey, win if, that it's, game. if it's one fifteen one oh five, you may as well print the shirts up. Yeah, print the shirts they're up they're real they're quick. I know you got to go, and we spent mm-hmm. a lot of time. Wally Zerbiak not being on that list is insane. I know your man won, and I know you. Hey, Michael Jordan is about the. 10th or 11th greatest college basketball player ever. He's not even in the top 10 for me. There's way too many great college basketball players. That's a travesty right there. And for Doug McDermott to be on that list and Wally <laughs> Zerbiak to not be on that list, but you compare his game to Wally Zerbiak, insane. Wally Zerbiak had one of the greatest ones. People, if you have never seen it, look it up on YouTube. Wally Ball, that's where Wally Ball was born right there, I'm trying to tell you, right it's there. A, oh, man, he was a you know great shooter. It's very simple, Trey. It's a product of of recent history. That's right. Recent That's right. history. And That's right. The only way Jordan should have been the best high the best college player is if Dean Smith wasn't his coach. That's because Dean Smith put the clamps on him. <laughs> Dean Smith wouldn't let That's him the do only anything. Way. You the know, only the, way. Oh, hey, we all know the old saying, Larry. Who was the only man to keep Michael Jordan under twenty? Dean Smith, <laughs> the only one, man. I'm no. telling you. And Bobby Knight knew it. Phil yeah. knew it. Everybody. Doug everybody Collins knew, knew it before it. he got the act. That's right. Everybody knew it. But I will say this. Uh, listen, he had the great crew, though. He yes, had the great he crew on the end. He had the great crew. Darn. He had the great crew. Hey, uh, man, Worthy, come on, man. Yeah. Where do you have Worthy? Where do you have Worthy ranked? Like, just a player-wise. Did you like his game? I love this game. Because he could hit you on the wing, he could hit the jumper, he could he could run the lane, he could dunk, he could and he played defense. And people don't talk about his defense. They don't talk, they about, don't his talk about his defense or his lane running ability. Nope, that don't. man ran the floor. That's how you run the floor. When you want your three to run the floor, run the floor, finish at the rim. That's right. I need you in the air right when you get into that hash in the air. Absolutely. And Jay, what nobody blocking that dunk. Nobody blocking the one hand statue of liberty. Nope, not at all. All right, Trey. My man. You're listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN.